Hello, everybody. Hey, this is John Fenn, Church Without Walls International, a worldwide house church network, cwowi.org, here yet again with another weekly uh, teaching here, all about the discipleship process. Discipleship is the process of implementing the, the teachings of Jesus into our own lives and uh, walking with him. And so today I'm asking the question, part one, does God judge individuals? Last week, last time, I asked the question, does God judge nations? And oh boy, did I get a lot of opinions about that. But chapter and verse are very clear on this. I covered very briefly, I covered how in uh, that, you know, we, we in the Old Testament, we have Nineveh, we have Sodom and Gomorrah, we have uh, Babylon, we have different accounts of, of, of cities and nations being judged by God. But in the New Testament, do we see that in the last 2,000 years? Did God judge Rome? Did God judge, uh, you know, Idi Amin or the Rwanda genocide? Did he intervene during World War II and the Holocaust in Nazi Germany? Did he intervene in, in the cruel, cruelty of Stalin and the USSR? And we don't see things like that. They, he never, he didn't intervene in the Roman Empire when they were persecuting so many tens of thousands of Christians. And since the cross, we don't see a Sodom and Gomorrah destruction type of thing. We don't see, you know, Babylon being wiped out in a day and prophesied or Nineveh or, or whatever the case is. Uh, and, and I shared with that how out of Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 31, how Paul shared that God does not live in buildings made with hands. He lives in us. In him, we live and move and have our being talking about how God made everything in the world and all the life there. And so he doesn't need a building. And we shouldn't think that God is like a, a you know, wood, a stone, gold, silver, or something made by man's hands. And he went on to say, he said, the, the times of those ignorances, uh, you know, God overlooked. But now he commands everyone to repent, for God has appointed a day in which he will judge the nations through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent, whom he's appointed to be judge, and that should give us comfort and assurance. And of course, it, it does. If you know him, then that gives you assurance that all things will be, made, will be made right. And so I shared with that, and also just to add to that, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 says, From now on, I'm not going to know anybody by fleshly standards, but I'll know them by the Spirit. For if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not charging their sins to them, but he has made us ambassadors that we cry out, please be reconciled to God. For he made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so what Paul says there is the fact that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not charging their sins against them. And so be reconciled. In other words, God has set a day which he will judge the nations. Matthew 25, it's very clear. Jesus said when he returns, he said the nations will be spread before him like, a, like the sheep and the goats, and he will separate the sheep nations from the goat nations. So all that is very clear. Is God judging the nations? What he's doing is he's allowing the nations to find their own ways and other nations to obviously World War One, World War Two, you know, the different things of that nature, the people rise up. He allows it to play out. And, and that's why people ask sometimes, where is God? You know, why isn't he doing anything? Well, the answer is that since the cross of Jesus, he is, he is waiting until he is appointed a day when he will make all things right. And so we don't see that aggressive um, judgment like we saw with Sodom or like he wanted to do with Nineveh or or things of that nature. But we do see a passive uh, judgment, and we do see things uh, on individuals, and that's what I'm talking about today. 
For instance, in the book of Acts, which is New Testament, which is post-resurrection, okay, he, we see we see Acts chapter 12, where was it here? In Acts chapter 12 and verses 21 through 23, we see an angel striking Herod. Herod was Jewish, and when they the people proclaimed him to be a god, he knew better than that. And rather than deflect that and, and deny that, uh, the people calling him a god, um, he didn't, and he was struck by an angel. He died a couple months later, historical records show, eaten up with worms and other other things, a horrible death. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we see Ananias and Sapphira and how they conspired together to lie and to, ju- and to, to hold back some money, which Peter said, you know, it was yours to do with what you wanted. It doesn't matter whether you kept it for yourself or whether you, you, you know, gave a part or all of it. He said, it's the lying, it's the hypocrisy. And, and God judged them and they fell dead. Uh, what's another example? Um, oh, uh, an unbeliever in Acts 13, verses 8 through 11, was Elamus the sorcerer, who saw what Paul was doing and wanted that power as well and, and everything. And blindness came on him for a season. And I've got missionary friends who, who have had people who've opposed them that God has judged a person with blindness temporarily until that person repented. Uh, there's some real life examples of that. But uh, in the life of a believer, how does God, and this is a subject for part one today, about how God does things with believers and, and what you might call passive judgment? Well, Paul made the statement uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, that uh, there was a man who was having an illicit relationship with his stepmother. And Paul said, you should have as a local body, remember they all met in homes. We're told in Acts 18, they start out meeting in the home of Justice Gaius, a a Roman man, but there were Greeks, Jews, and Romans all together in that one house. And this man's relationship, improper relationship with the stepmother was known. And he said, you should have judged that. If he wouldn't, if that man didn't do that, judge himself, then you as the body should have judged that. And because you haven't, Paul said he, as the apostle, as, as the one who founded that church, he said this, he says, I have determined to deliver that man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. In other words, Paul was saying that this man is going to suffer an early death, maybe an accident, maybe allowed to get sick. But what happens is God lifts his hands off of a person in that situation to allow a person to suffer the consequences of their actions. Now, the good news about this is that the man repented. Upon reading this, the man repented, and he and the incident is mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, where it's talking about the godly sorrow and the godly repentance, and the whole body repented, and the man presumably lived. But this sort of thing goes on, and people don't realize, and this is why I'm taking this bits and pieces and want to cover this in a couple sessions here. Uh, this type of thing happens where the Lord takes his hand of grace off of a person and allows them to suffer the consequences of their actions. Uh, an example in my own life that I, I was called to the deathbed of a man who was about 42 years of age, an alcoholic, and his liver had failed. And I got there just as he died. His chest was still collapsing the air and the saliva and everything just gurgling out of his chest and everything and I got there and asked to be alone you know in in the room where they had laid him and I just said father do you want to raise him up and he said no he said I've he's with me I've judged him and and brought him home lest he commit a worse sin now the history of this man was fairly well known in that in that city where we were he was an alcoholic had been for for since his teenage years. And he was, like I said, about 42. 
and his lover started failing in the previous year. And what happened was he would go to church and he'd repent and he'd walk with the Lord for, you know, a couple of three months or whatever the case was. And then something would happen in his life and he'd go on a binge again and he'd stay drunk for two or three months. And then he'd come back to the Lord and he'd be, he'd dry out for a time and then go right back. And the cycle was going on, but it was getting fewer and fewer uh, in terms of the distance between between seeing him in church. And so when his liver started failing, what all that was happening was the Lord was allowing his body to suffer the consequences of, of his actions. And that was the judgment of the Lord. It wasn't passive like he dropped down in front of the preacher or something like that, uh, dropped dead like Ananias and Sapphira. It was, it was more of a passive thing of the Lord just saying, lest he commit a worse sin, I've judged him, I've brought him home. Um, uh, there's, there was a, uh, boy, I don't, I hesitate sharing this, uh, relationship. Well, let's just go with this in first Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 17 through 31, the situation in Corinth was that, uh, and it was well known historically that Corinth, um, you had a, a system basically of white collar and blue collar. It was an international city, a port city. So there were sailors and, 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 uh, crewmen and stuff from all over the Roman empire. And, uh, and so now in, in a lot of these people became believers, but the white collar people, the ship owners and the store owners and stuff typically did not mix with the dock workers and the sailors and transients and stuff like that. And so in first Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 31, you had a situation where prejudice, that prejudice, that bias, uh, against others who, even though they were in Christ, they were just not on the same page socioeconomically. Um, and so the, the rich people would, would eat separately, have the Lord's Supper separately and have their own little service together. And then they would come for the general meeting in whose over homes were, they were meeting in that day. And Paul said, that's not right. He said, you're not properly judging the body of Christ. And he told them this, he said, because of this, because of not judging themselves and properly not judging the body of Christ. Uh, because of this prejudice, this bias in their lives. He said, many are weak and sickly among you, and many have died early. And he says, if you judge yourself, you're not judged of the Lord. So what Paul brings out there is that these people who've been, who have died early and they're weak and sick, what he said is that the thing that opened the door for that is their prejudice, is their bias, is the resentment that they hold towards other members of the body of Christ. And he said, this is why you didn't get healed, essentially. So many words. He says, many are weak and sickly, and many have even died early because they did not judge themselves. You say, is that, and he says, if you're, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged of the Lord. So this is an indicator right here for us. Uh, these two examples in real life and in scripture here that we see is that uh, we have to be aware when it's talking about in 1 Corinthians 11, receiving the Lord's Supper, uh, what Paul was saying was you judge your heart and make sure there's no prejudice, no bias, no resentment towards another brother or sister in the, in the body of Christ. It's an admonition to, to judge ourselves. And you've got to realize when, you, when, you, when we sin and we say, oh Lord, forgive me, I missed it, I blew it. Man, I'm so sorry. Uh, we are judging ourselves and that won't, we won't be held accountable for that on the day of judgment when we stand before the Lord, because we have judged ourselves and we've taken the remedy. We've said, oh Lord, I missed it. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And yes, sometimes it's over and over and over again. But like the Lord told Peter, if a guy comes to you, you know, 70 times seven, you know, 490 times in a day, you will forgive him and you'll maintain a proper attitude. 
And so this is a this is one area of judgment. Does God judge individuals? Yes, he does. One of the ways he does it is he asks us to judge ourselves. In in Revelation chapter two, he, he nicknames a woman named Jezebel, who is preaching wrongly, is, is preaching that it's okay to sacrifice to the idols and, and have sex with the temple prostitutes and everything. And the Lord says this, he said, I gave her space to repent, but she did not. There is often this time, this space where the Lord gives a person to deal with their issues. One day, and I'll close with this, I was uh, back in 1986, it was, I was an associate pastor. And on Monday afternoons from one to three, I held uh, what we called healing school, where I taught out of the Gospels of the Book of Acts, the way the Lord heals, the way he maneuvers us into position to receive healing. And I had a word for a man there who didn't normally come, but I mean, the word just was boom, it was so strong. And I told part of it publicly and part of it privately because it, it dealt with a sensitive issue. But the word was this, I, I share with you, was this, was that uh, the Lord had been dealing with him about his weight and his smoking. And the Lord, in fact, it was the Lord who said, he said, the time of grace is almost up and he really needs to deal with this. So I talked to him privately about it and, and shared with him what the Lord said. Well, uh, we, uh, after delivering that word and everything, uh, that was February, I think it was in 1986, we then, I became a pastor of another church and, uh, and moved out of the area about three hours away or so. And I heard through friends that about a month or so or two after that word, he had a heart attack and it nearly killed him. But the miraculous thing was there was no permanent damage to his heart. But you know what happened? He immediately quit smoking and he lost 30 pounds and he came out of it. So it's an amazing thing that even in the judging, even when the Lord asks us to judge ourselves, there's grace there. There's often grace there. And there wasn't that, even though he had a, a huge heart attack, he eventually did obey the Lord, but, but, and the Lord spared his life. But uh, that could have been prevented had he judged himself and stopped smoking and lost the weight like the Lord had been dealing with him for so long. See, all these things the Lord does many times with people, and many times it's over decades that he'll deal with people and ask them to judge themselves. So does the Lord judge people today? Yes, he does. I'm going to pick it up next week with some more real-life examples and some more specific examples about something which uh, about things which would be more uh, on a personal basis, both in my own life and weighing out uh, healing as you get older, physical healing, and also, uh, you know, just living rightly with the Lord. So hope this has been a blessing to you, uh, but uh, we'll pick it up here next week with part two about does God judge individuals? All right, visit our website, cwowi.org. Sign up for my weekly thoughts. We have Zoom meetings. We've got a conference coming in October. Uh, anyway, blessings. We'll talk to you later.